This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And back in the studio. I was going to (laughs) say, welcome back, Frankie. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, Frank Proctor here for the sous chef of the garden. Delighted to be back once again uh, with Charlie in in the uh, studio here as we broadcast live and direct on a very warm day already here in Toronto. Not a cloud in the sky. Well, actually, maybe a little bit of high cloud, but... Hot stuff coming. Yeah, yeah. Stay cool, my friends. Stay cool. Stay um, in the shade. Hydrated. And lots of water. Lots of water. You got it. You got it. Boy, what a marvelous time uh, Shirley and I had in Chicago. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, and and a lot of times people say, yeah, but what about the violence down there, you know? In the downtown area, no problem at all, which is where we were. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we were just told, stay out of southern Chicago and and to the west a bit. So we just avoided that area and no problem whatsoever. No. Uh, and friendly people, my golly, the, that Midwestern charm, yeah. you know. Oh, but Americans are so friendly yeah. too. G- I mean, generally speaking, it's just, yep. you know, bend over backwards to Met help some and, wonderful people, yeah. met some terrific musicians yeah. and, and you were, saw some th- Oh, you were in the stuff. music city yep. there, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, Toronto should be um Go on down there and take a look at what they've done with that waterfront because, mm-hmm. boy, they've really done a number. Did you it's walk terrific. it? Did you oh, yeah. do the promenade? And yeah. there's there's a new uh, river walk, uh, oh. three and a half miles of the Chicago oh, River. Really? They've, they've worked in the past uh, couple of years to really get that finished, and it's beautiful. Had hmm. a terrific Anyway, enough about that. Uh, we're, I know. We're back to Yes, we're plug. not doing uh, Chicago no, Tourism Board uh, right. <laughs> paid announcements, <laughs> or are we? And, well, next time they're going to pay. You know, <laughs> if I have any more nice things to say. Let me, let me get the phone numbers on oh, the air because that's, I that's forgot. why we're here. I forgot last week. <laughs> I had Sean Patil yeah, with yeah. us from Humber Nurseries, and we're blah, 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 blah. And there wasn't a lot of calls coming, and then I went, oh, gosh, like, where's Frank? I yeah, need Frank. The I, phone forgot, numbers. I forgot the numbers. Well, here they are. But okay. you know what? The callers knew, call early, call often, one yep. question, and we had two callers call twice. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, perfect. Oh, totally stuff. followed the rules. All righty. Here they are. In Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere else, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. couple of little rules here. As we say, call early, call off, and one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller... I was going to say. Yes. We had a few of those last oh, did we? week. Oh, good. Yeah, and a no bell. And no bell? Oh. Because you always take it with you. That's it's, right. It's like no, a traveling no. bell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But we got it here. Good, So good, good, let good. Sebastian know if you are a first-time caller. That's what you're going to hear when you get to the airwaves here. All righty. And a couple of... Oh, a couple of quick things yep. here. Um, yes, quick shout-out to Brenda and Ian McGilvery from the Penetanguishene Horticultural Society. I was up there last week uh, speaking to the society, but very lovely people. They had invited me to speak and mm-hmm. invited me out for dinner, and we just wow. we had a really, really nice time. And, and they told a cute story about how when they moved up to Penetang from Georgetown, Brenda and Ian are 
serious listeners to the show. And they sat down in their living room Saturday morning to listen to the show, and the signal wasn't coming through in Penetang. Well, isn't that weird? Well, yeah, or Midland, I guess, is where they yeah, live. Yeah. And so, so they were quite frustrated by that and had to go sit in the car. Oh, dear. To yeah. listen to the show. Well, Which they did <laughs> for some number of weeks yeah. until they got a, they a different radio. They in a little pocket there. But uh, there are AM antennas, uh-huh, right? Yeah, yeah, and you're right. They, they were wishing that the 96.7 was broadcast up there because yeah. the AM wasn't working. All right, a couple other things going on. Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, September the 26th, I'm speaking to the Bronte Horticultural Society. So that's in mm-hmm. Oakville, the Colburn Rec Center on Lakeshore Road West in Oakville, speaking on prepping the garden for winter. Of course, I didn't write down the time, but it's usually, you know, 7 o'clock, that sort of thing. Um, This Monday, or sorry, Monday, October 2nd, 8 o'clock, the Agent Court Garden Club is hosting its regular meeting, and guests are always welcome. The club is for novice, regular, and master gardeners who all all share a love of gardening and an interest to learn more. They meet at the Knox, excuse me, Knox United Christian Education's Education Center, 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd. The guest speaker is Michael Erdman on Alliums and Onions. There's a flower show, friendly competition. Members will be bringing entries from their own gardens for the show in 55 different categories. So this is the time of year where... Everybody's got stuff to show off and to bring and to compete with. Mm -hmm. So it could be vegetables, it could be flowers, it could be arrangements. uh, And there's very strict rules you have to follow to enter the competitions. But, you know, big bragging rights to to win at some of the shows. And it's fun, right? It's a fun competition, as they say. Bring your camera and lots of yummy desserts at this event as well. Lots going on at the Royal Botanical Gardens this weekend. It is the first official weekend of fall, hard to believe, with heat alerts all over Ontario, oh, yeah. including Sault Ste. Marie, Thunder Bay, Sudbury. These, it's like everybody just hunker down and stay cool because even though there's always lots to do, you don't want to get overheated. Our bodies aren't quite ready for 40-degree heat at this point. Um, so going on, like I said, at RBG, check out their schedule, rbg.ca, this weekend. All righty, and we better push along here, unless you get something you want to nope. slip in. Okay. I'm just looking, looking, looking here. Okay. I've got some All stuff, right. but we can hold that. All righty, good enough. Uh, we're uh, going to have to take a little uh, bit of a break. When we come back, we do have a first-time caller. Two first-time callers. Two, oh, no, oh, well, isn't that great? Okay, well, my uh, bell ringing arm shall be all working out here in just a moment. It's here. had such a rest after exactly. all. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Back in moments here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, Charlie, let us, as a matter of fact, we have, <laughs> this is uh, a first time, uh, first this, time for first timers. Yes. We have three first time callers in a row. First nice. of the uh, folks to call in first time. They want to hear the bell. All right, you get second. <laughs> That's for Clancy here in Toronto. Good morning, Clancy. Hi. Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I listen to your show uh, quite often, but uh, I've never called in. There you go. Until now. First time for everything. Yeah. Um, I have a periwinkle plot in my backyard Mm -hmm. near the front of the back, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm building a deck, so I want to move the whole shooting mesh Mm -hmm. towards the back of the the lot. Mm -hmm. It's about 8 feet by 15 feet. Mm -hmm. Uh, How should I do that? Well, okay, so the the current patch is about 8 by 15? Yeah. And where you're moving to is roughly the same kind of size? 
Yes. Well, I about think first off, 20, twenty-five feet away. Yeah, I, you'll never like sort of pick up the whole patch and move it as a as a big bunch of of plants because oh, no. it's all individual plants. Yes. So what I would do is prepare where you're going. Make sure you've got you know reasonably good soil and it's mm-hmm. been roughed up, but it's you know level to the to the kind of level you want it. And then it's going to just be a, a situation of going into your existing patch and digging out individual plants. If you can move them and transplant them into the new area, and even if you're roughly on a one-foot grid apart, so you've got a plant and then a foot, another plant, and these are just going to be little tufts of roots with some stems and leaves. This is a ground cover, just mm-hmm. for anybody who doesn't know what periwinkle looks like. Right. And and just set up like a literally planting these little bunches of stems and leaves on a one-foot grid, that 8 by 15, and it, it might might even make it easier to cut back the stems a bit just because so, you're going to be tripping and getting all tangled up in them. So no issues with cutting them back. Just make sure you've got some stem and some root on each of the little clumps that you go to do the transplanting with. Okay, the stems are, are what's above the ground? Correct. Yeah. The, little, the green leaves? Exactly. And okay. and you, like I said, if you're finding it's all kind of a tangled mess, have some pruners handy so that just snip, snip, snip. If your stems all end up being yeah, three or four inches long mm-hmm. instead of three or four feet long, which yeah. is what they probably are now, uh, and then, you know, with a trowel or a small shovel, you know, lift okay. up. You've got that little bit of root, that little bit of stem over to the new spot, into the ground. Water thoroughly. I wouldn't do this transplanting today if you can avoid it just because it's so hot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have to, you have to. If it's a construction job coming, you've got to do what you've got to do. But make sure that it's all these new periwinkle are watered in thoroughly upon their new the arrival to the new location. Right. And then what's left back in the old patch, just don't worry about it. Let, just turn it all in. It, some of it may survive. It's a deck going in over top you said yeah is the deck gonna be right at ground level or up up about three feet okay well so then you'll have to decide whether you want to dig out and remove what's left behind to ensure it doesn't grow in and start becoming a problem if it Mm -hmm. is going to be a problem or you're just going to let some stay back and it'll just fill in and you know there's nothing wrong with having something growing under the deck, right? Mm. But if it's going to grow out from under the deck and cause a problem, then you might want to make sure it's it's all removed before well, you start. Yeah, start the the, pro, the project. Okay. Well, one last thing: is it better to move it in the fall or the spring? I would move it in the fall. Fall. Fall is the best time for planting and transplanting. The soil is nice and warm. Mm-hmm. The plants are starting to slow down, but they've still got lots of life in them. And what happens if you do your planting and transplanting in the fall of any plants, th- okay. they, they do that. And then, you know, winter comes. As soon as spring starts to happen, they're ready to go. Okay. So you actually get a whole jump. You get a se- you know, serious jump on the next season. Great. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. Thanks Thank you, Clancy. Calling. Nice to have you on the show. And yeah. don't be a stranger. That's right. <laughs> Doors always open here. Uh, oh, no. the phone lines always open. Anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, Lucy. Another in St. Catharines. Welcome to the show. I'm caller. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Uh, I've listened to you for years, mm-hmm. but I finally wrote down the number. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Get it into that speed dial. <laughs> I know. Uh, Anyways, I have some oleanders Mm -hmm. that uh, have uh, bugs on it, like uh, like mealy. I don't know if they're mealy bugs or or whatever. They're like like cotton batten. They look like oh yeah. It sounds like mealy bug. It looks like little tufts of cotton. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know what to do with them. I mean, I'm standing there with uh, with cotton bath and an alcohol, but I mean, mm. come on, there's so much. Well, how big is your oleander? I got lots. I got they're huge. Yeah, and you've got lots of different plants. I have. Well, I have three three different colors. Four oh, different nice. Colors. Oh, wow. And I have probably about uh, fifteen. Oh, wow. Mm. And do you put them outside for the summer? Or do They're they... always out in the summer. Yeah. I bring them in the winter. Mm. And that's, well, this year it's outside too, but usually it starts in the winter time when I bring them in. Right. Okay, so oleander, for those of you that aren't familiar with the plant, is a really, in a lot of ways, pretty easy plant to grow. It's yeah. tough. It's tolerant of drought. It's to- loves the sunshine. You can just put them outside all summer and forget about them. But they, they, when they are happy and growing, they will sometimes attract insects like mealybug, and I've seen aphids on oleander as well. Yeah. What I would do if I were you is I would say, hmm, okay, you've got to... F- Keep your four colors, there's no question. Maybe if there's that much mealybug on some of the plants, you might want to just leave those ones outside to die in the frost. Oh, and I already put three of them away this year. Into the house, you mean? No, 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 oh. no. What the heck with you? I'm not <laughs> house. Okay. All right, good. So that's it. So I was going to say, really cull through. Only keep the ones you can keep that are is reasonable to keep. And I know they're flowering right now, but mm, would make your life a lot easier if you did some pruning. There'd be fewer bugs to kill. There is a product out there called, it, it used to be called End All, but now I think it's called Three in One. Yeah, three in one. If you look, go look at your, um, you know, Canadian Tire, Home Depot, St. Catharines. You've got, you know, Broadway Gardens. You've got a bunch of different good garden centers. Go there. You're looking for the three in one. It shows right on it that it will kill mealybugs. It'll kill spider mites. It'll kill aphids. It kills all kinds of insects following the instructions. So to stand there and do what you're doing with the little Q-tip and the alcohol is fine if you've only got a slight infestation of, you know, 10 or 12 insects. Yeah. But as soon as you've got a couple hundred insects, forget it. You'll be there for two weeks trying to go after each individual. But I would follow up. I'd do the spray, follow the instructions, spray again, and then if necessary, follow up then with the Q-tip and the, the alcohol. Uh, and just because you see the cotton battens, like the little, what looks like live mealybug yeah. on the oleander after you spray recognize they might be dead and they're just hanging on there. So if you can, if they're still outside and you can get the hose out on them, blow off the dead bugs before you start thinking they're alive and then go after anything that's still alive. So when I bring them in, do I have to do anything with the soil? No, you know, the mealybug are not in the soil. I always like to drench, do a soil drench if I can before I bring anything in just to get the sow bugs out and the earwigs that might have... Might have you know jumped into the pot, so I, I do a real thorough watering and a washing of the plants. Uh-huh. So, you know, a good soap and water mm-hmm. um, is a good way. Problem soap and water is it's unlikely to kill the mealybug, so it'll wash off you know spiders and dirt, but it won't wash yeah, yeah. off mealybug. Yeah. Okay, okay. Thank you, Lucy. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, okay. Be back another day. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Always welcome second time round. Sure, <laughs> but Here. you don't get the bell mm-hmm. second time round. Right? No, no. The, the bell is very special. <laughs> oh yes. Only first time call. As a matter of fact. Uh, we do have, uh, when we say goodbye to Lucy, that frees up. In fact, we have a couple of lines open right now, if you uh, have been 
trying to get through, this would be an excellent time to give a call in Toronto to 416-360-0740 and anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Colleen in Lockport, New York, the bell is going to be ringing for you next. Stay tuned here to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, Charlie, as mentioned before we took our little commercial break there, Colleen in Lockport, Mm. New York. Just waiting to hear this little sound. Hey, welcome (laughs) to the show. Good good talk to you, Charlie and Frank. Um, I have a mandevilla, Mm -hmm. and I've been growing it in a huge pot in my sun porch, Mm -hmm. And it's gotten to be about 20 feet long. Ooh. And I have two kings, and it's got over a dozen flowers on nice. it. I want to take it to Florida. Oh. How can I do that? Huh. Can I trim it down? Yeah, well, you'll have to. So that's what you'll have to do. Unfortunately, you'll probably end up taking some of the flowers off. But, yeah, I would do a fairly um, substantial pruning on it. Um, if it's as lo- well, it's, So it's 20 feet with these long twining vines. Yeah. What, kind, what kind of a vehicle will you be driving it in? An SUV. An SUV. So it's going to have to lie on its side? Because I, I don't no. think you'll be able to... Sorry? If I trim it down, my thought is if I could trim it down to maybe two feet, mm-hmm. then I, I could manage it in the vehicle. Standing up. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, okay, so two feet's pretty dramatic um, from what it currently oh. is. So that that would, when are you leaving for Florida? November. November. So you've got some time. So, so the, the, so it actually, it's an interesting challenge you're setting for yourself because where you are in New York, the temperatures are dropping, theoretically. The days are definitely shortening. So the plant is is slowly hunkering down anyway. And so cutting it back would be very appropriate, you know, even to half its size, cutting it back. But okay. you're still 10 feet tall at half its size. So if today, for example, you cut it down to 10 feet and you give it a real thorough wash, soap and water, soil, plant, and let it all drain and dry, get it into the house in a bright, sunny location, brightest possible spot you have, uh, do that for the next month or so. That takes us into October. You won't probably see a ton of new growth on it during that period because the plant is slowing down. But still, you, you have to be prepared a couple, like two weeks before you make the move to then do that further cutting down to two, to two feet. So you're going to make it a two-stage pruning job. And then, of course, before you put it in the SUV, recognize that you want to minimize the stress on the plant for the drive. So make sure it's been well watered. Don't use any fertilizer during this this period, but well watered before the trip. And then as you're driving and you're perhaps stopping in overnight in a hotel or a motel, just ensure that the plant is not going to the car um, SUV is not parked where the sun is going to hit it in the morning and turn it into a little oven and the poor little plant will bake. So sh- make okay. sure it's it's well shaded because you're not going to take it in and out with you to the hotel room. That's too crazy. But still, you just don't want it to bake in the car when you're not in the car. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's an interesting uh, yeah, little project, project for yeah. you. It, it would really be nice if once you arrive in Florida, you let give us, us a call and let us know how your little plant made out. I will do that. Okay. That'd be great. Or, Look forward to that. Or send an email to yeah, us if yeah, the email call is too much. We'd, we'd just love to hear how that went. 
Thanks, no, Colleen. Thanks, thanks, Colleen. All righty. And you want to give the email address? I uh, certainly do. Because uh, you always know it. I well, have to look it up. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you want to reach Charlie via email. Here it is. C.Dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. There you go. Thank you. And in Guelph, there's Marita waiting for us. Hi, Marita. Good morning. Yes, I have a question. I have a beautiful rose bush. Mm. I think it's called ice wine. It's very, very prickly mm. with multi-petal roses on it, and mm. it's still in full bloom. But there is a beetle that goes inside the the petals. Yes. It's, kind of, it's very shiny looking. It's beautiful. Sort, sort of a reddishy. Um, well, it's bronzy. Green color. Yeah, iridescent. And, and, you know, even the beetle is beautiful. That's what I'm saying. The beetle is beautiful. And yeah, you know what that but, beetle is. Um, I don't know what to do, whether I've taken the, you know, rose and kind of shook it a little bit, and mm. they fall out fairly easily. Yeah, yeah. But I've also taken tweezers and and pulled them out. Is, right. the, is there something I should do? I'm not sure if they lay eggs in there. No. Okay, so what that is, that's called Japanese beetle. Very common pest in our gardens in the last five or six or ten years here in Ontario. It is. It has been imported from the Orient and has been slowly working its way across Canada. So, And it's voracious, eats anything and everything, but does love roses. What you should do, what I recommend you do, is get yourself an empty can of some kind. You know, it could be a cat food can, tuna can, that kind of a, a can, just empty Put some water in it, you know, half full with water, and then a drop either of oil or a drop of soap on top into that water in that can. That mm-hmm. soap or oil puts a little um, roof on the water, if you will, so that bugs can't get through. And then like vegetable oil or cooking yeah, oil? any oil, yep, olive yeah. oil, cheap, any cheap oil you want to put, just a drop. You don't need much. Out to the garden with that little can with that water. Go to where you, you're seeing those horrible beetles eating your beautiful rose and individually with your fingers or your tweezers, pick them off or just tilt the rose over and give it a little shake and they'll all drop off the rose into your little can and die. They so will drown. Because it's a fairly large rose bush, mm. so if I put more than one can out, like kind of like a little circle? Well, the thing is that they won't naturally fall into it. You, you're going to have to actually direct these beetles into the can. Yeah, because I notice when I shake it, you know, they, they fall out quite Pretty easily. Pretty quick. And then I don't see them anymore. And I didn't know whether I should just kill them. Or... Yep, you do want to kill them. But it's funny, they only go into that one rose. I know, mm. there's something tasty about that. It's, well, it's the wine it's, part. It's a really beautiful <laughs> one, and it's got multi-multi petals, so yeah. maybe that's why. Yeah, oh, yeah. you know what? I, in my garden, I have lots and lots of roses, and uh, the Japanese beetles go to my beans. They really like the bean plants. They eat the leaves on the beans. So uh, every now and then I'll see a, a, the odd beetle in the roses, but not nearly as many as I see on the beans. So, right. so, they, so they're pretty so selective. Uh, kind of crush them? Yeah, crush is good. I, I'm just not a big squisher. That's why well, I drown uh, them. I'm not either, but uh, because they're fairly good size. Yes, and they're quite crunchy. So when and, you do that squish... I saw several of them in there making little beetles. (laughs) I know. That's that's what they're doing right now. There's a lot of copulation going on, a lot of partying. You know, and anyway, I just thought uh, it's it's more, I don't know, in the beginning of the summer, 
there, there don't seem to be that many. No, there aren't. Their life cycle has them not out in the spring. So don't worry. What they're doing right now is a lot of partying. So and respond to spray too? I have no, there's n- spray? Nope, 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 nope. You'll waste your time on the spray. Don't even bother. There's really? no spr- Well, there's no spray that you can use that's going to knock those down. They're yeah, very slow they moving. Like they have a fairly um, armor-coated... As all beetles do. Hard shell. shell. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Your best you. thing is drown oh, or squish. I'm on the right track. <laughs> okay. Long pincers. <laughs> there you go. Well, There's your well, job you for so the day. Much. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. Thank Thanks you, Thanks for calling. Stay cool, my friend. Thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Out there in Mississauga, let us say good morning to June. Welcome to the show, June. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm calling about my hibiscus plant that I called about last year. Mm-hmm. It's about three years old, and I've been babying it back and forth in the house and outside, so mm-hmm. I've been wintering it inside. Mm-hmm. But this year, um, it's uh, I call it a tree because it's about uh, two feet high, you know, the stem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the leaves are coming out, mm-hmm. turning yellow immediately, oh. dropping off. Mm. It keeps getting higher. It's flowering. Oh, leaves on the top turn yellow, drop off. Okay, but now it is it's flowering. it's too big to be starting to lug it in and in the house. Right. Can all right. I cut it right down to something? Yeah, okay, so, here, so all right, I was going to say, either write this down or listen again to this, po- this is, show is podcast, so you can always listen to the show again. Here's, here's my suggestion on how to deal with hibiscus, because the problem you mentioned is getting, now it's time to come in, but now it's too big to come in. Right. So, uh, mark in your calendar before it goes out in the spring before the hibiscus or the oleander or the mandevilla any of these things go out in the spring so around about March we get out our pruners and we do some hard pruning At in March it's fine to cut those plants down by as much as a half but preferably about a third so if it's six feet tall in March you can bring it down to four feet tall and you know what I'm saying three feet tall bring it down to two or, or slightly under. That way, out all summer, it grows all summer, but it, it's a manageable size to bring in in the fall without doing your pruning then. Because now is not the optimal time to prune any plants. Now is the time to allow them to go to sleep and slow down. Pruning can be very invigorating. Plus, when you prune things like hibiscus now, you're taking all the, the flowers off. So that's a bit frustrating as well. If so you could, I, I'm pruning the branches, not the stalk, of course. Well, that's right. So you've got what we call a tree form. It's got a single stem, and yep. then about, like you said, about a two-foot-tall stem, and right. then it's like a whole bush on top of that stem. Right. So you're exactly you're gonna you're gonna look at that bush on top, and if it's four feet wide now, too wide to get in the door, mm-hmm. you have to bring that down to a reasonable size all around. You've got to mm-hmm. balance the plant so that it's it's not sort of all one-sided. You you know trim it back, and unfortunately, you're gonna remove you know buds when you do that. It's very sparse. Yeah, and the very and, sparse. Well. Okay, so but why are the leaves turning yellow is a bigger question because it. All right, so right now is it in a sunny location? Uh, yeah, it, it is. Well, half it gets some shade, but a lot yeah. of sun. Yeah, yeah, because uh, just as another aside, as we're preparing our plants to bring them in, I would get them into the shade just to prepare them to come in because when they come into our homes the light levels are far lower indoors than they are outdoors and the plants will drop all their leaves because of that so so for now consider moving it into a shady spot 
uh, be careful with watering hibiscus. I like to water thoroughly when I water, but I like to let it dry right out between waterings. And that's what I do, yeah. yeah. I've moved it um, before our conversation. It's in the uh, west um, location. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to bring it in the way it is right now and worry about it in the spring. Right. Well, the thing is, if you can't get it through the door, you're going to have to do some pruning on well, it. I can get it through the okay, door. Yeah, okay. It's just getting very heavy. Right you know, to lift in. Yeah. Well, you know, get one of those little dollies. You, you can get, unless you got a lot of stairs. There are little round plant dollies. Yeah, no, it's on that, but casters. I have one big step. So mm. I just, you know, thought if I bring it in, uh, the leaves are going to just drop, and do I water it through the winter or just yeah. leave it? Well, if you've got it in some sunshine, like a western-facing patio right. doors or south southern-facing, uh, yeah. then yes, you will water when the leaves go limp. Okay. So, um, but you know what? If it's really sparse, like you said, uh, maybe it's appropriate to do some pruning back because that will force some new growth, which yeah. is perhaps what you want because yeah, you've the got flowers are on the very end of it. Yeah. They're very uh, spindly kind of yeah. branches. So what I do is I wait till the flower flowers and then I cut that one back, and then and then three days later another flower is finished. Cut that branch back. Oh, so it'll okay. be a, a yeah. process of cutting it back. You'll okay. get some new green leaves that way. Okay. Great. No fertilizer. Okay. Okay. Charlie's given you a number of things that are going to keep you busy, June. That's right. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio AM 740, (laughs) 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Mm -hmm. And we'll be along in just a moment to welcome Colleen, first-time caller, to the line from Hayesville, Ontario. Got to find out where that is. Hayesville. Hmm. A little job for us to do a little search on the the web, maybe. And uh, we'll return momentarily here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, let me get that uh, bell out here. Oh, hey. your arm must be getting tired, Frank. <laughs> there we are. Good Colleen, morning. Uh, Hayesville, Ontario, just a little bit south of... Um, north of Plattsville. Well, north of Plattsville, but south of uh, New, New Hamburg. Hamburg. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Now we got you situated, Colleen. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Go right ahead. Um, we have hostas, variegated, all the different ones, and they're all being eaten, and some have died this mm-hmm. year. I know. Tough year. And I've never had that before. Well, okay, so think about the kind of spring and early summer we had. Yes. It rained every day, just right. about. With all that moisture, it was perfect environment for the slugs and the snails to procreate like crazy. Okay. So this well, it could have been renamed the year of the slug. They're <laughs> everywhere. And, of course, who eats hostas but slugs and snails at night when we're happily oh, sleeping, okay. they're happily eating. So there's, yes, very clearly, the hostas have taken a, a very severe beating this year from those uh, in, you know, mollusks, mollusks doing all that eating at night. Okay. Um, and also the really wet conditions. You know, yeah. it's just the soil was so moist for so long, many of the hostas really suffered for that as well. Would the slugs have actually killed a few of them? Uh, I think you'll find that if it was a well-established plant, the root will have survived. Okay. Uh, I think you'll also find that even though the leaves look like just, you know, Swiss cheese and, you know, a, a tractor drove over those poor hostas, I think you're going to find that they're going to be just perfect next year. There will be no problem. Well, but okay. They also, some of them look burnt. 
Yes. Okay. So if it, uh, the slugs also. Yeah, well, it's just the chewing and then and these cra- this weather. So we've gone from cold and wet. Then we had, in my area, we haven't had rain in weeks. Yeah. So now the hostas are suffering from lack of water. I mean, they were just inundated and, and rotting out Drenched. from too much yeah. water. And now we've gone into a, a, a real droughty situation. Okay. So Should make sure you are water. anything for the slugs? Well, well I was going to say, make sure uh, everybody who hasn't had rain, like I haven't had rain for the last few weeks, Let's get out and get some water on our garden plants, our trees, our shrubs, even our potentially suffering hostas. And there is something called slug and snail bait, which you will find at any garden center or, um, you know, Home Depot. Slug and snail bait is... um, Something that is a stomach poison to to the slugs and snails, they will eat it, they will crawl away, and they will eventually die. They they don't die instantly; they die over a period of time. Yeah. So, if, you know, if, if if do your watering first, get that slug and snail bait out. Because if you start watering on top of the bait, it just dissolves into the soil. So we put, you know, the, the slug and snail bait is a good thing to have out there, but it does need to be replaced after rain. And I wouldn't put too much energy into worrying about the leaves of this year's hostas because the season's just about done. Yeah. But certainly can you can stay right on it next spring, try and keep the leaves intact so that they look better by July and August and September. Okay. All righty. That's great. Thank you. You're Thank very you, welcome. Thank you, Yeah. And uh, next time around, it'll be a second time going. Well, that's, well I was going to say, at mm-hmm. my house, not only, you know, you can get this vision of what Colleen's saying, that the hostas look so horrible. Mine look horrible as hers do, but then I added slap in the face when we had serious hail at my oh, house back in yeah, June. Yeah. So the hostas got shredded by the hail, then they've been shredded by the slugs and snails. Beaten up. Yeah. yeah. Steve in Mississauga, welcome to the show, my friend. Hi there. Good morning, folks. Good morning. I uh, I was out picking the raspberries. I don't know if you recall, Charlie, y- yes, I sir- talked to you last yes. week. There was a, a whole basket full this morning. Wow. We'll be right over for yeah. breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Look, by all means, plenty to go around. <laughs> I love raspberries. Um, like I say, I won't be cutting them back anytime soon. Like, there's just so many waiting That's great. Uh, yeah. to, uh, to come around. The question this morning, mm-hmm. if I may, um, is the Chinese lantern. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm using the proper uh, term. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. it gets that, that uh, papery fruit that turns orange. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. And uh, one was kind enough to uh, to grow last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I trimmed some off and dried it as my great uh, as my uh, late grandmother yeah. used to do. Yeah. Uh, when I this year though nothing grew. Oh. So I oh. have the seed pods. Uh-huh. What could I do to try and get something, for example, next year? Huh? Have you got a big property in Mississauga? Uh, define big. <laughs> like, do you have an acreage? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> well, because the reason I ask, like, Chinese lantern is a, it's a very beautiful plant, but it's also extremely invasive. So I'm surprised it didn't survive. But the thing, my point, of course, is that if you do get some happy Chinese lanterns soon, that will be your entire garden. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) So so I just want to make sure that you recognize that that's a possibility. Okay, fair okay. enough. Okay, so, um, you know what, if you have some seeds and they, you think they're still in pretty good condition, I would um, 
save them till next spring and you could sow them indoors to start them or you could just direct sow outdoors mm-hmm. about, you know, it depends on what kind of spring we're having, but, you know, it could be April, maybe mid-April, uh, where you want them to grow, keep the soil moist, of course, not soggy wet, and keep an eye on where, on them coming up and keep an eye on them not taking over your entire yard because yeah, they are they, quite they beautiful. They grew up beside a great rock in uh, Evergreen that is... Huh. You know, a little short of a mile high these days. Yeah. So it was in a heck of a lot of shade, yeah. uh, really rough terrain, frankly. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, that's good. That That's so the kind of condition nobody wants to grow. Anything at all grew. That's right. That shows you how invasive it is. Like, well, it will grow uh, anywhere. But obviously, <laughs> you know, last year was so dry. So it grew in those less than optimal conditions because it does take advantage of every opportunity to grow. But obviously, it didn't survive because it was so highly stressed. So don't put it in a really good sweet spot because then it'll be really happy and really grow. <laughs> keep it contained somehow? Like, um, you know, you hear about mints and that sort of thing. Yes. Put some sort of barrier around it if, you're, if you dare plant it. But the problem is is that it grows from the root. See, it's one thing, mint is the same. It's one thing to control the above ground growth, but below ground, the roots are shooting out horizontally and shooting up stems all over the place. So, you know, little runners are going out there underground. So, And the Chinese lantern will do the same. So it's hard to control without barriers down below the ground to control the roots. Okay? Mm. There you go. Interesting. That's your challenge. Okay. <laughs> Steve, we have to move along uh, here and uh, get to a final break, and then we're coming back to uh, have a little trip out to Ancaster to say hi to Beverly, right here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, we're into the final stretch here. Let's uh, stretch out to Ancaster. There's Beverly. Good morning, Beverly. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good morning. Nice to be talking to you both. Nice. Um, I have uh, uh, three chameleon plants that we just bought this year. Mm-hmm. They're in a, uh, about a foot deep uh, flower blocks. Okay. And uh, we were, earlier this year, we were in Ireland and saw a beautiful chameleon plant, and it seemed to be growing up the side of a building. Um, now, are these climbers? No. Or, and are they bushes? Or no. Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> okay, so chameleon plant. Actually, it's quite a nice plant, but it's actually kind of similar to Steve, who we were just talking to, was talking about Chinese lanterns. Chameleon oh. plant, the proper name is Houtinia cordata. It is. It can be a very invasive plant. Uh, oh. And again, it, it does its spreading from below ground, but it's pretty. It's. I, I'm going to just show... Let me just do this so that... Um, it's got pretty pink on the leaves. Yeah, it's a multi... Oh, dear, that's not going to do it. Um, it's multi... Sometimes they're pure green, but, of course, the ones that we grow, the ones we like, are, are like this. There you go. See, uh-huh. So it's green and white with a red edge or a pink edge on the, on the leaves. So it's quite pretty. It's variegated. It grows in the shade. Uh, so in less than optimal conditions, a uh, lot of nice things to say about it. But it is a low-growing, uh, you know, couple inches tall kind of ground cover plant. Oh, so, well, we've got... Um about a six-foot-long drain pipe Mm -hmm. that we're trying to cover in some way. Mm -hmm. And 
thought maybe if we put those plants by it, mm-hmm. would that be a good thing? That it might- would certainly do a good job camouflaging the, yeah. the downspout drain pipe, but yeah. recognize that it, and is it in a fairly sunny spot or a shady spot? Uh, well, half and half. Okay. You so know, it's, just- it's uh, sunny in the afternoon, shaded in the morning and sunny right. in the afternoon. So just recognize that it may be a plant that is... You know, it reaches, does what you want, does a nice Uh job camouflaging the downspout, but you'll have to stay on top of it uh, spreading sideways out in directions you don't want it to go. Oh, even if you want it getting into the grass. That's right. So even if it means, and sometimes I use, uh, because like Steve mentioned, isn't there a way to control Chinese lanterns? Sometimes I'll use, there's something called a hammer in edging. So it's plastic edging. Unfortunately, it's only about four inches high. So if you can get it taller than four inches, that works. And it's sold in little pieces and they lock together and you just bang them in underground uh, so that you don't see them at all, but they stop those roots from moving into places you don't want them to go. So consider that. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Thanks very much, Charlie. Nice plants. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Beverly. Uh, And to our final call of the morning, I would think uh, in Etobicoke, Kathy. Good morning, Kathy. Welcome to the show. Oh wait, no, Anne. uh, Anne. Oh my goodness, we had a change there. Okay, Anne in (laughs) Barry. Hi. Good morning. Hello, Anne. No. Oh Oh, wait a minute. There we go. Are you there? Are you there, Anne? Hello. 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 Good morning. Go ahead. Um, I have a rhododendron. Mm-hmm. It got kind of sick. Mm-hmm. And then the lower leaves curled and they died off. Okay. And I only have about uh, 10%, 20% left on it. And I don't know whether I can revive the rest of it or... All right. I know exactly what you're saying. Okay, so here's my suggestion. Hang up the phone uh, and turn up the radio, and I'm going to tell you what you should do in terms of that rhododendron, because they are not an easy plant to grow anywhere in Ontario, and you're in Barrie, so it's even probably a little tougher. Because rhododendrons are what we call a broad-leafed evergreen. They do not really like our lime-based alkaline soils in Ontario, so they suffer from that. They want a low pH Uh, If there's only about 20% left alive on that plant, I would compost it. But if you love rhododendrons, which I understand, choose a location where there's going to be dappled sun and shade so that it will be morning sun, afternoon shade, lots of peat moss in the ground before you plant, soil acidifier every year added to the soil or pine needles beneath the plant. Choose a cultivar that's in the PJM series. So the letters P, J, M are smaller leaved rhododendrons and hardier and more likely to look good in berry. So that's what I would do. And if and the other one is garbage, okay. I'm afraid to say. And <laughs> just, to, just to note that if you missed any of those directions, uh, our podcasts are wonderful to do that. Yeah. Just go online to uh, AM740 on the main page, then go, go to... to- podcast, scroll down to the garden show and look up today's date. And it takes a couple of days for the podcast to be up on the web, Mm -hmm. but certainly worth listening to. And look at that. We're fresh out of time, Charlie. We are. Where did the time go? You are here for a while yet? Yes, I am. And I'll be back at one o'clock till three 30, all sorts of fun and games. But I think you have to buy me breakfast first. Yes, you're right. So um, the Invictus games, I think might be limiting our ability to get into High Park, but let's give it a try. Okay. Okay. Take a shot at it. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. 
the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.